0: The dash oled display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. USA! 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 Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe!
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. On this week's episode we discuss decision day in MLS and we look ahead to the playoffs plus president and founder of Austin Anthem formerly of MLS in Austin Josh Bobetsky calls in to give us the Austin perspective regarding the news about the crew potentially staying in Columbus and finally it's another edition of the Counterattack with yours truly Jake Watroba and make sure you follow us On Twitter, at UncSamSoccerPod. We always enjoy your feedback and comments, so continue to send them in. And don't forget, you can always find the show on any major podcast platform, including Spotify. We were recently added to Spotify, so if you get your podcasts on Spotify, make sure you follow us there. Now, let's get to today's show. Steven. Armand. How you guys doing today?
2: Doing wonderful. Let's go Red Sox, baby. Uh
3: my mic isn't working, so I'm doing pretty well too. Yeah. Yeah, you got you had some technical
2: difficulties.
3: Today. Oh man, I've had it all day. Um it's it's been a rough, I guess, twelve hours for me and my podcasting career, but you know, I'm I'm gonna make a big comeback. <laughs> big before, comeback coming up.
1: Before we before we get into today's show, I just wanted to uh, call out Steven. Oh. on something for what i just want to say that for all the times you've ripped on baseball in the past <laughs> oh my goodness for all the time you've said it's dying for all the times that you've said it's boring and unwatchable i don't think uh <laughs> I, I, you know if i was just meeting you for the first time today I wouldn't know that you thought those things because supposedly you're the world's biggest Boston Red Sox fan. Oh, he
3: loves the Red Sox, baby. Uh, Chris Sale, number one. Let's go. <laughs> he has not said a single thing about the Red
2: Sox since I joined the show in the spring. Well, because the season is so long. Come on. like uh, I'm not going to sit here and break down game lot, 123. Well, no, you don't You don't need to,
1: but... Well, 124. Yeah, <laughs> 124. <laughs> But I just, I just find it funny that, you know, baseball's dying, baseball's stupid, but the last two weeks you've been uh, dialed, into, uh, dialed into the Boston Red Sox postseason run. Fine,
2: I'm a pink hat, okay? When it comes to baseball, yeah, I'm kind of a pink hat. I get it. I like the Red Sox. When they're in the playoffs, I love the Red Sox. Okay, that, that's how it is. Anyway, let's talk about MLS Decision Day. And Armand, you had some sort of party going on there.
3: I mean, I just went to go watch the game uh, with some buddies. So yeah, I had like four or five screens set up. Uh, watch Dallas choke. Um, watch Seattle get a game winner. Watch the Galaxy choke. Um, it was pretty. I thought it was a pretty good decision day. I mean, you hate anything MLS related now, but <laughs>
2: I it was a- you can't put those words in my mouth.
3: No, he can. You're a Euro snob. It's okay. Yeah, you're a Euro snob. Don't worry. You're reverting back to your roots.
2: Armand's,
1: Armand's an MLS fanboy, and Steven... <laughs> hey! You only hello. care about Hop, hop Sweet and uh, the Arsenal. And um,
3: yeah, the man. revolution. And the revolution. Don't forget. Bob Kraft.
2: <laughs> No, you know what the funny thing is? I listened to the Revolutionary, Revolution Montreal game today on the radio. Why? I... Wanted to take a nap. I figured I'd fall asleep. Nap what? football. Nap like football. That, that
1: probably was really good nap football. I woke up. But, they scored. I mean, considering and then, that no one turns out for, Rev, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure nobody turns out. Nobody turns out for revs games when they're out of contention, right? So I'm sure it was just kind of just this. I dull, bet you. I bet you
2: eighteen thousand showed up. Um. So quite a big a bit of stuff happened around the league today. Guys, what do you think was the most surprising in regards to Decision Day? Was it the fact that the Galaxy uh, choked? Or was it Atlanta choking the Supporters' Shield? DC United hosting a playoff game after they were literally at the bottom of the league like halfway through the summer?
3: uh, I mean, for me, I would have to – I would argue the biggest moment Decision Day was when – Seattle scored their game win in a ninety-third minute and they jumped from the four to getting a bye. I think that was massive. And now that they're what, like on they're on they're on fifty-nine points of the second seed in the West after that garbage start. I think we were talking about it, Steven and Jake, how bad they were at the beginning, and now they, they won fourteen of the last sixteen games.
2: That's Ten straight years in the playoffs, too. they
3: are true they're a true franchise that's modeled on success. I, and I thought, like, that, especially that last second goal by Rui Diaz, I mean, come on. That was that was fun and impressive.
2: Really? You thought that was bigger uh, a bigger deal than the Galaxy literally poo-pooing themselves in the middle of stuff No, because uh, as, as a
3: hashtag MLS fanboy, <laughs> I mean, you, you, uh, after watching so much of the Galaxy, it's what you expect. The defense is awful. They just can't seem to get anything going. This Sure, they racked up some wins late on, but... You know, that's not going to undo all the sins they had. And they choked away a 2 0 lead. Um, and it just got, they just looked bad. I mean, it's what we've seen all year from the Galaxy. They won't win, they won't have a clean sheet. They'll either blow out a team or, like, in like a 5 2, 5 3. It'll make a barn burner. So I'm not surprised at all. I i don't think the Galaxy even deserved to make the playoffs, to be quite honest with you.
2: Oh, wow. Uh, Ibra, still your MVP? No. Wayne Rooney?
3: Wayne
2: anywhere near Joseph, we'll see. Alright. What about you, Jake? New York Red Bulls wins a supporter shield three in uh, six years. Is this meaningful for the Red Bulls? Because since uh-oh. they have a history of winning this thing three times in the last six years, to me it is rather useless that they won this if they don't go on to win the, the MLS Cup.
1: Well, I, I I kind of agree with you they Chief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh what you're right. They don't win cups. They don't win cups. So what's, what, what is the supporter shield really mean in the grand scheme of things? Great. You were the best team in the regular season. Now, now, now do something in the postseason. Let me, how many times, I mean, how many times are we going to clap for the rebels and go, wow, look at the model, model <laughs> franchise. Look at that. They're always good. And then they always
3: find a way to bleep the bed.
2: No, you're That's right. So
3: metro. That's so Metro. And the thing is that, Supporter Shield this year doesn't get them a uh, a CCL spot either, so it's kind of useless.
2: Atlanta United have quickly become like every other Atlanta franchise there is.
3: What choke artists?
2: Choke artists. I mean, come on! How did they lose the Supporters Shield in the spot they were in the middle of, uh, say July?
3: I thought Red Bull was a really overlooked team. I don't know about you, Jake, but I thought they've been good throughout the whole year, and no one's talked about them. They're in, even in that first place. They played outplayed Atlanta both times they've played, but no one talks about them because they're not sexy. I don't know. Do you, you feel the same, Jake? I, I I agree with you. I do think they're overlooked to a uh, to a certain
1: extent now. As I go back and praise them for <laughs> for uh, being overlooked and kind of being the little engine that could. Uh no, I if I recall,
2: don't forget they made a point, coaching change. They made a coaching change too.
1: They did, and I think you can also argue that maybe the coaching change in Atlanta may have had something to do with uh, the player's performance. Wait, at- you mean, Atlanta? Like, you mean you,
3: mean, you, mean the,
1: the, you mean Tata saying he's not going to renew? Yeah, I think you you can also argue that may have had a negative impact on Atlanta down the stretch. Uh, but no, you're right. I mean, with uh, Marsh. Leaving, leaving for Germany. I mean, that was definitely an obstacle uh, New York had to overcome. And Armand, I believe at some I, – I don't know. I can't recall if it was in the spring or early summer. You did say watch out for the Red Bulls. I don't think this is – atlanta's Atlanta's going to run away with the East, if I if I remember correctly.
3: Dude, I've been a Red Bull stan since day one. Everyone was like, wow, you like watching the Red Bulls? But I'm like, yes, I enjoy watching the way they press and the, and the way they play. They're the best team in the East. They're the best team in MLS. Like, put it – I don't know if they win MLS Cup because – I mean, the playoffs are a completely different season, and you can't really take I, – I would say you can't really take regular season results into the postseason, to be quite honest with you. But I think they're the best team in MLS, and I've been saying that for the longest time. And I think the performance was for me was – I, I want to say it was back in April or something when they beat Atlanta the first time 3-1. That was, I think, the performance for me where I was like, wow, this team is going to win – can win MLS Cup and is better than Atlanta United just does is my hot sports take right
2: there. Red Bull's do shatter the 70 point mark at 71. Yeah, they are the most
3: points in MLS, right? MLS
1: history. I, I just want to say before uh, I also I want to praise Atlanta again. Cuz I think they had a really nice season. <laughs> if, wait, when wait, you I, look at the point totals, when you look at the oh, point nice, totals, I nice. think they had a really nice
2: oh, season. Oh, okay. I get it now. Um, For all you listeners out there, I don't know what is going on on today's episode. But NYCFC sit third. They did win today. They they got a couple goals in the bag. With Patrick Vieira changing, it seems like the coaching change has negatively impacted the blue side of New York. Meanwhile, the coaching impact on the red side in New York didn't really make all that big of a difference.
3: Well, I mean, if you look at it, for me, I mean, the thing is, the NYC-Atlanta game was actually really good. I mean, looking ahead, if NYC can knock out Philadelphia, which, I mean, they beat them today at 3-1, right? Like, they they, they did pretty well. I would, I would say, I mean, I don't see them – I don't think they're better than Atlanta or Red Bull. I think the only team out of that six that can really compete or out of that group of four outside of Atlanta and Red Bull that can compete with them is D.C., I think D.C., Stephen, you keep making this joke, or like I don't know if you're joking or serious, that D.C. and Seattle will play. But hey, man,
4: it's, a fair I, I fair did say that. it's looking really <laughs>
3: likely. I mean, I hate to be that guy, but D.C. is red hot. Seattle's red hot. I think D.C. is the only team that can knock off red Bull is Atlanta, the Red Bulls in Atlanta, to be honest with you.
2: The only thing that slows down, I think, Seattle and D.C. is the fact that the playoffs are stretched out for like 40 days. There are these pauses in it, and I think that could potentially slow them down. Now, with DC, I think Wayne Rooney is no doubt your MVP. He's completely turned around the club. They are hosting a playoff game. Like, it was just enough to get to the playoffs, but the fact that they're hosting one is a big deal. Um, I think this could be a scary team to watch. I would not want to play them. And if I'm Atlanta, that's probably the team I want to play uh, least. Because you have two different, you know, teams, one out of the gate, Atlanta, one of the favorites, and then you have D C United who come out of nowhere mid season, make one big signing, and you know, ooh, that it's was the beauty
3: of MLS though, right? Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if it's the beauty, but it's just the thing that makes MLS so different. You can make just one signing and boom, you're the four seeds of chance to win the league championship.
2: Yeah, meanwhile the seventy one points I mean just think about it. DC, if they went go on to win MLS Cup, finish twenty points behind the Red Bulls. Twenty. And do we say D C was the best team in MLS for that season? Yes or no? Does MLS Cup reflect the best team of yes. that season?
3: In, in in popular culture and I would say in everyone else's mind, in our minds, yes.
2: Jake.
1: Does MLS Cup the winner of MLS Cup reflect who the best team was over the course of the season? Yes. Is that, that that's the question we're asking here? Yes. No.
3: <laughs> no, because it's like look look at it. But, at who, most, but Jake, who do you remember? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, the team who hosts the trophy. Well, obviously that's gonna be the case in any scenario the team who hosts the, the trophy because they're the one who gets the the, the grand right. moment of celebration and all that stuff. But you can't look at me in the eye and tell me that if Philadelphia Union wins MLS Cup this year, we're gonna go, wow, the best team in MLS this year, I guess, Philadelphia Union, or if Real Salt Lake, Real Salt Lake, with their, you know, <laughs> negative three goal differential and finishing with 49 points, who needed a utter a miracle collapse from the uh, LA Galaxy at home to get into the playoffs, you can't look me in the eye. If Real Salt Lake wins MLS Cup and goes. Best team, man. Mike Petke. <laughs> that he coached the best team in MLS this year, man. That was the that was the best team. Come on, don't, does that don't make MLS that.
2: flawed? Or does that make MLS? Yes, just that makes
1: that makes. But, but that's any that's any pro sport in this country. No, that's I disagree.
2: I think NBA. I typically reflects it. The NHL it's a crapshoot. Baseball, yes, I'm. And the
1: and the NHL is a crapshoot, so the best team doesn't always win in the NHL. Yeah,
2: but the football, National Football League, I think the best team typically goes on to win it for that no, particular I, what, season. So what, what?
1: What about your Patriots that lost to the 9 and 7 Giants that were the sixth seed in the NFC that won uh, in. Uh, there are exceptions to
2: the rule, Jake. Well, it's... that's what
1: I'm saying. <laughs> I mean... So unless, unless Atlanta or New York Red Bull wins MLS cup. I don't think this is going to, uh, I don't think the cup winner is the best team in MLS. I think it's, I think the cup, the cup winner is the team that performed the best from, uh, November and Mm -hmm. December. That's what that, I think that's, that's all that means. Like I said, if Philadelphia union win MLS cup, are you guys going to come on the show in mid December and say, you know what? Looking back in the season, man, that was a good union team, man. That, that, they were one of the best teams in MLS. What do you got no, against Union, man? Because they have 50 points. You could say the same thing with Real Salt Lake. These aren't good teams. You aren't going to th- – these teams, they aren't going to advance far. You know this, especially Real Salt Lake. I should be picking on them more so than Philadelphia Union. Yeah,
3: stop picking on my Union, man.
2: Does. That's it who do you think MLS wants to win this MLS Cup like is it in the best interest for one of the big teams to go on to win it say a Red Bulls Atlanta a Seattle
3: oh dude they would want Atlanta to win it no Atlanta or LA or Seattle one of those three uh, you get Atlanta DC, you I think. Base,
2: I think DC would be a good one you know
3: yeah, it's it probably LAFC
1: Seattle DC NYCFC Atlanta that's probably who they want to win Red Bulls. Yes. What is? But the Red Bulls don't spend money.
2: No, but Red what Red Bulls do, I think they create an image for the league of a model and a model franchise to follow. So European clubs look at Red Bulls and be like, they're doing something right. Look at the youth that they're developing.
3: I mean, they are doing something great, to so be quite honest. Well, they, they, honest they, are, well, they are
2: clearly doing something great. I mean, I think Red I think, Bulls they, are the model franchise of MLS. I don't think
3: they're. They, I, agree. I, agree I agree 100%, Steven. What do
1: I mean? Even if Rebels wins it, I don't think it makes them the. I don't think it makes them a gives them a, like a better example of the, the model franchise. I mean, what do six is it what six extra games? What is it? I mean, that doesn't. So
3: maybe, would you consider them a model franchise now without the MLS? Yeah, Cup? They
1: are, if not model franchise, the winning MLS Cup doesn't need to validate them as. yep, that that's a model franchise. They already develop youth. They get kids to play. They it, they're always good. I think they are the 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 model franchise in MLS.
3: So. Let me let me ask you this. Uh being this disappointment from decision day. Is it consensus that Galaxy couldn't make it up the playoffs?
2: Absolutely. Especially when they go up 2 nothing. 2 nothing's the most dangerous lead to have in in all of sports. Uh well, in at least soccer and in the NHL, but uh, a 2 nothing lead at halftime and you crap yourself like that at home against the Houston freaking Dynamo. What are you doing? Um, I think Ibra leaves. I don't think he liked his time here in MLS. He's had a unbelievable season, a record-setting season. But the Galaxy just failed him in not putting the right pieces around him. I, and, and when we had Kobe Jones on the show and we asked him, is Ibra coming? And he laughed because he knew something and he wasn't going to give it to us. I, I'm surprised at the time that they did not set up their squad – in advance to bring in somebody like an Ebra to try to be more successful and not have to worry about being out of the playoffs on decision day rather than you know you could have rested Ebra for the playoffs.
1: No, Steven you're right. It's You're, it's, you're definitely right. I mean what how, how, what was that about a month when we had Kobe Jones on he made that remark of I, I could tell you but I have to kill you when you asked him is if Ebra's coming to LA Galaxy and that, that was probably about a, what, a month, month and a half? Six before Six weeks? It was announced. I don't
2: know. Something like that?
1: They had... If if Kobe Jones knew six weeks prior to... Uh, six weeks prior to Ibrahimovic signing with the LA Galaxy, well, the, the front office probably knew... Probably even before then. So you, I, I think it's... The front office definitely deserves a ton of blame. If you knew Ibrahimovic... Ibrahimovic can't say his name right now for some reason. If you knew he was coming... To MLS and was going to sign with your club. Wouldn't you make the necess- or take the necessary steps to
3: kind of solidify your back line?
1: Oh yeah. my god! Don't
3: even get me started. The Galaxy are one of the worst run franchises. MLS is the the back line was awful. They spent big money, quote unquote, on terrible signings. Michael Ciani or he's awful. Schelvig, the Norwegian guy, not good.
2: And they spend a lot of money too on those players. They
3: spend a lot of money on those players. That's the thing. So I mean, you could throw money at something I expected to you know get better, but these guys are terrible. And then you had the Dos Santos brothers playing like crap, Giovanni playing awful. They need to sell Giovanni. They just need to blow that thing up and actually build a contender. I mean, I would start by going after Boca Junior's coach, Baro Shilotto, um, Beat him. Uh, try to entice him over Atlanta. Don't go after Greg Burl Halter. Come on, like that guy almost missed the playoffs. Like it's it, it, <laughs> that's what that's my disappointment. Like. <laughs> Just just for the just to, for the memes, uh, if the crew had missed the playoffs and Berhalter was announced as USA coach, I thought it would be hilarious and a sad state of where U.S. soccer would be. But, man, the Galaxy need to be more ambitious. They just thought Ibra, you know, it can just change their – like save their team. Well, wait, wait, wait,
2: wait. Pause there for a second. Let's look at Wayne Rooney's situation and Ibra's situation. Did D.C. United build a team around Wayne Rooney and the thoughts of him coming how how does how does a t- how does Wayne Rooney come to DC United and literally drag the club from bottom of the Eastern Conference to the fourth seed? Meanwhile, Ibra goes to LA, the LA Galaxy, who were probably mid table on the playoff bu- bubble when he came, and mm-hmm. somehow they missed the playoffs. Like w- we, there should be an analysis on what the front office did when they brought in a superstar like this. And Whoa. was yeah. was Ibra's ego in the way of the galaxy while while Wayne Rooney's team uh, first philosophy? And I'm not saying Ibra's a bad teammate, but he had a lot of baggage coming around. Like that's a tough situation with all the Hollywood, all the late night show stuff, all the flossing he did on the James Corbin, Dorbin, <laughs> whatever the show is called. Is there a situation in which front offices look at these superstars and go, I don't know if I want them on my team because of all the baggage that they bring?
3: With Rooney, though, it's kind of... I would say Rooney enhanced the players on his team. Does that make sense? Like, Lucio Acosta wasn't a bad signing when they got him, but he really brought the best out of him. I think Ariola, especially, uh, uh, Canoos, Durkin. They've all been pretty solid. With the Galaxy, I feel like it just threw Ibrahimovic into the lineup, if that makes sense. They kind of messed around with Ola Kamara being a wing. Uh, when he's not good at being a wing at all, he's better at being a forward. Uh, Dos Santos has been on the low, and it's been terrible. I don't know if they're really building around Rooney, and I don't know if I don't think Zlatan's ego got in the way. I think just the Galaxy had a bunch of uh, miss, uh, miss like, not-matching parts and it was kind of just like a messed up puzzle and they were trying to fit things that weren't there
2: no yeah no doubt uh jake hold on your thought we're going to take a quick break here listeners and we'll be back with some playoff talk All right, let's talk some playoff, guys. Now, listeners, we know Armand's got a crappy mic, so bear with us until he buys a new one. But the playoffs, um, Armand, can you tell us what the, I guess, the first round matchups are going to be?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first round matchups um, in the Eastern Conference, we have New York City hosting Philadelphia and D.C. hosting Columbus. In the Western Conference, we'll have LAFC hosting Real Salt Lake and FC Dallas hosting Portland Timbers. Uh, SKC Seattle are on buys in the West. Red Bulls Atlanta are on buys in the East.
2: According to five thirty-eight, Atlanta is still the favorite to win the cup. Red Bulls a close second. Actually, no, never mind. They are exactly tied to win the MLS Cup. Five wow. percentage points behind them is Sporting KC, and then Atlanta. uh then Seattle at nine percent so atlanta and red bulls guys it's a, a coin flip Let, let's let's play a little uh buy or sell here are you buying that atlanta or, or the red bulls win mls cup or are you taking the field
3: jake you want to start i'll take the field
2: over atlanta and red bulls the two single-handedly the most productive teams in this league and quite honestly one of the two best seasons ever I know Atlanta didn't great, uh, hit the seventy points mark, but they're up there on the top five as most points in one season.
1: Uh, I think, as Armand has made uh, has said, uh, most notably in our interview with Bobby Warshaw, uh, Atlantic doesn't like to can't really break down bunker ball, like, and that's kind of what uh, that's kind of what teams playing in the MLS playoffs. Hmm. And I think tournament football, and I think with Red Bulls' recent history of not really winning when it matters the most. I you know, I'm not I'm not exactly sold on, on them either. So I look at teams, I look at Seattle. I like I think we've said on this show already. Uh, I don't think there's a team in the Western Conference that wants to run into that buzzsaw. And I look at DC United. And I think there are a lot of teams in the East that also don't want to run into that buzzsaw. So yeah, I'm gonna take the field on this one. I, I think that there are a lot of teams in the West that we're
2: overlooking. Tweet us listeners. If you would take the field or Atlanta or the Red Bulls, on Sam soccer pod, Armand, who are you taking field or the two favorites? So,
3: so here's what, here's what I'm going to do as a guy who, uh, I've learned a lot through watching a lot of MLS. I think all y'all know that I'm going to go look at the form of teams and I'm going to pick. So, Based on form, you know who the hottest teams in MLS are right now? DC. Seattle. Red Bull, Red Bull, DC, and Seattle. And I'd say SKC as well. Um, saying that, I genuinely believe in the Red Bulls this year, so I would I will buy on the Red Bulls in Atlanta. All right. I believe I, I, I believe in them. Um I think it'll make, it's going to make for a fascinating playoffs in the Eastern Conference, that that three-horse race between D.C., Atlanta, and Red Bull. I, it's gonna, I think it's going to make for some really fun soccer. I think we're not going to—whatever happens, I think the viewer is going to be winning in the Eastern Conference.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a, a real interesting point. Now, let, what about the Dark Horse or a team that you think we should be paying attention to? And I, I'm going to say FC Dallas is a team to follow. I oh, think- my
3: God. No way.
2: Here, here's – get this, Armand. Here, here's why. I think Oscar Pereira is tactically sound. Now, can Oscar Pereira master tournament football? That's the real question. They host Portland. It's a team that everybody last season said, you know, if they were to sneak into the playoffs, when you know, I think it was it Wondolowski that got San Jose into the playoffs uh, last season. Well, if, if FC Dallas had snuck into the playoffs, that's a team nobody wants to play. I I still believe that. I do genuinely think Dallas is a team that a lot of clubs don't want to play just because you do have a tactical master on the sideline in Oscar Pereira. And with tournament football, for a couple of games, you can do creative things to get by. You really can. You don't necessarily have to have the most talent. You need to have the right talent in the right positions. And I think Dallas have some working parts that could allow them to be somewhat successful in the playoffs and maybe go around further than people thought of beforehand.
3: I I, I don't see that. I think Dallas fallen, is just falling apart right now. Three straight losses, and against what? one against Colorado, Alaska, one against D.C., a disma- uh, just a poor performance against SKC and allowing two late goals against Colorado. It's tough for me to see that. Um, my dark horse would be Crew. I think Columbus Crew. Uh, call me wild, but the top three uh, teams in um, the Eastern Conference. I think Atlanta struggled against Columbus. I think NYC. Uh, they they all think Greg Berhalter is a tough coach. I would, wait. I think and they were go ahead.
2: Wait, wait, wait! But but I just—if Dallas is in such crappy form, and if the if the bottom falls out again, is Oscar Perre on the hot seat then?
3: I, here's my thing: I don't think so. That, me, that and- makes
2: no sense to me. If 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 there's if they fall out last season and they again fall out this season, a team that people have predicted uh, and in this season could have gotten a buy, right? Should have probably gotten a buy. Then how is Oscar Pereira not on the hot seat from the front office? Then there is something wrong with that organization. Front office There is
3: something wrong with this organization.
2: Yeah, but but the fact that they start off so brilliant and they, and they seem to coast through the they first... They don't make
3: signings, Steven. I think we we, we talked about this, but they don't make true signings. They just let go of players. Let go of Mario Diaz. Uh you let go of Kelon Costa for Baji, who's been pretty meh. You let go of these guys, you don't bring in adequate replacements, or you don't play the adequate replacements that you have brought in. So you know, when teams like Seattle are buying Hurry Diaz, uh, when teams like Red Bull, you know, they're, they're calling up the Red Bull 2 uh, players, you know, getting them some minutes because they're not good. When teams like D.C. are getting Rooney, when other teams are making some sort of impact move, Dallas isn't doing that. That's part of their issue. Just my quick thought.
2: Well, I still think they're a dangerous team to watch in the playoffs just because Oscar Pereira has some sort of sense of what he's doing with tactics. Now, Jake, Dark Horse...
1: Well, Armand kind of stole my touchdown call there. I was going to say the Columbus Crew just because it, you know, just based off of last year, it looks like a Greg Burhalter managed side does very well in tournament football. But I guess for for sake of this segment, I'll throw out another team. Uh, Let's go with the LAFC. Ooh.
0: Uh, Yeah, Bob Bradley.
1: Bob Bradley's manager. I mean, Bob Bradley has been, been a very successful manager um, throughout his career. He's won, you know, he won an MLS Cup with the expansion side Chicago Fire, albeit twenty some odd years ago. Ninety-eight, um, but, yeah, ninety-eight. <laughs> uh, but you just look at LAFC; they have all the attacking talent up front with Carlos Vela and uh, Diego Rossi, and then on the back line too, you got Walker Zimmerman back there holding things down for them as well. And one key thing to look at. I think with teams when it comes to MLS cup is how, how do they perform on the road? LAFC and granted it's not, it's not it's not a glamorous record, but seven, eight and two, they have shown they can get some wins on the road, which, you know, looking at say the Columbus crew, for example, three, nine and five. So, I'm going to circle LAFC as my actually team to watch.
2: Great point, um, uh, Jake. Who has the best road record in MLS?
1: Uh, it looks to me like Atlanta does at ten five and two.
2: Who's got the second best?
1: <laughs> looks like New York Red Bull eight five and four.
2: Uh, okay, just round us the top five.
3: Well, it's a little... uh, it would probably be uh, Atlanta Red Bull. Um, SKC and Seattle? SKC, Seattle,
2: Seattle LAFC. Uh, do we know that for a fact or are we just speculating kind Yes.
1: Yeah. Kinda, we're, I'm looking at the stands right now. That's sounds right. It. And, and, and the other thing, too, about, about LAFC is they have a pretty good home home field advantage there at uh, Bank of California Stadium with the uh, 3252 supporter section. So I think they're, they're a team you should keep your eye on.
2: Yeah, no, I, it's interesting to look at the road and home splits. Because MLS playoffs are different, and, and it's over two legs, and this is something that FC Dallas falls in the trap of is that they are always typically on the road as a higher seed, and this happens across the league. The you know you go you play on the road first, and then you play at home. Well, you know the home team typically has that advantage. So if they can get a two nothing lead, then you're chasing in the second game, and you're the higher seed, and you somehow have home field advantage, and you're already down. To me, it, it's kind of baffling. In, in that system that it's, there's really apart from MLS cup in the first round of the playoffs. Do you necessarily have a home field advantage like you see in uh, hosting a game seven or hosting, you know, in, in national football league, you just play the game at home and it's one or, you know, you win and move on or you lose and you go home. So interesting. MLS playoffs can be exciting this year, guys. Oh All right. My- before, before we get to Josh Babeski, Let's give a, let's put our tinfoil hats on and let's predict the match on December 8th the the match to play for MLS Cup and Armand, let's begin with you.
3: Oh wow, we're starting with me. Um, I, I'm gonna go Red Bulls Seattle Sounders.
2: Jake.
1: I also will go Red Bull Seattle Sounders.
2: I too will pick Seattle to represent the Western Conference, but I think DC United is just a team of destiny Wayne Rooney. It's going to show everyone up. Uh, we're going to have to write 12 million apology letters to him, particularly Jake and Armand. You can begin. Uh, I know you already began a couple weeks ago, but continue writing those apology sure, letters sure. As, as he's mm-hmm. going to go on to MLS Cup. But it will be, in fact, Seattle that lifts it. So, yeah, MLS playoffs. Who really knows what's going to happen because it's such a crapshoot? I guess it's some of you love it. Others don't for that reason. We'll see. But up next josh babeski
1: joining us on the show is the president and founder of austin anthem formerly mls in austin he is josh babeski you can find josh babeski on twitter at Quixado. That's Q U I X A D O. Josh, how you doing?
4: Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me back on the program, Ding.
1: Yeah, not, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Uh, let's, let's dive right into this. Um, can you give us your thoughts on the news that came out of uh, Columbus two weeks ago with the crew potentially being sold to a local ownership group, at, while Austin uh, will will still get a, a club under Pre Court Sports Venture. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, I think in one word premature Um, I think in two words uh, premature but hopeful Um, I think it would be great if that came to fruition but I think it's uh, way way too early in the game for the the victory lap that it's you know being presented uh, uh, online and apparently in some circles in, in Ohio.
2: Were you surprised by the news?
4: Um, I mean, I think so, because it's not it wasn't really well-rounded news. You can definitely tell there was an error. You know, our assumption is the Columbus partnership leaked it in some way, shape or form, trying to, you know, generate some some awareness that, you know, they were trying to do something um, after, you know, many months of silence. You know, clearly it looked like the league uh, and the parties involved weren't ready to talk about it and say anything. And um, just given the size and scope of a transaction like this. Um, You know, it just seems like it was really, really too early to kind of have that large public conversation, which has kind of been deemed like it's a done deal. But um, I think there's a lot of risk in it and it could be far off. But um, I mean, hopefully it happens.
3: On the Austin side of things, Josh, we had you on in August. You were really confident that there'd be an MLS team playing in Austin come 2019. Are you still confident that it's going to be 2019 or are we looking more realistically like at a 2020
4: or something like that? Um, It's like a decision matrix chart. If the Haslam deal doesn't happen or all of a sudden Columbus can't pony up uh, a stadium site that uh, the league will sign off on, um, I think 2019 happens if they move the roster and basically just, you know, relocate the crew, which was kind of assumed what was going to happen. Um, I think if the deal has legs and there's really strong indicators uh, of a stadium site and that the deal, you know, is going to happen, um, I think then Austin probably moves to 2020 or 2021. Uh, and then that we just stay with continuity of a team in Columbus. Um, so I think it really kind of depends on how some of this this stuff plays out. Um, so I'm, I would say I'm less confident that 19 is going to happen, but more comp, uh, 100% confident that it's going to happen and a team is going to come to Austin, whether it's 2019, 20, 20 or 21.
1: Are you, are you uh, just kind of building off of the, the last question Armand just asked, are you disappointed then that there won't be that there, there, there potentially won't be a team in Austin in 2019? Or is this kind of just, hey, we, we're going to get a team and whether that's next year or the following year, you know, you yeah, MLS think, is coming it, to Austin.
4: Yeah, I think it's the latter. I mean, when I had originally drafted what I guess has become known as the Pelican brief of the speculation back in February 2017 that Columbus was a a flight risk, Um, you know, our thought had been timing would be somewhere around 2022. So from my perspective, I'm I'm still well ahead of the curve that I thought it was going to take for a a club to settle in here in Austin, Texas. Um, So it's not really a matter of disappointment. I mean, you know, if another city is able to kind of keep a, a club going, if that means that we're waiting another year or so, that's fine. And it's even better for us because then it's it's a kind of more of a clean slate. You know, it's our team from the get-go. It's not this other team that really came from somewhere else, Um, even though, like, on paper, technically we're still going to be the the MLS franchise, and I guess Columbus would be the uh, expansion-slotted team. So it's kind of like a weird San Jose-Houston thing, except it could be backward where the team actually stays there as an expansion. And the relocated team takes a couple of years to actually start playing
3: with the with all with all that's going on um we've seen the the Austin supporters group kind of uh I guess vilified I think is the right word um by on Twitter um, on other modes of social media um do you feel like now with the news that hey Columbus is still going to have their team Austin's going to have their team as well uh potentially uh do you guys see yourself not really as villains amongst MLS fans anymore
4: well, I mean, it was always a small group anyway. I mean, you're always going to have the keyboard warriors from, you know, big soccer who, uh, you know, think they've got the whole system figured out. And, you know, they have their expert plan for pro rel and how things are all going to work. Um, so there's always some level of that. Um, I mean, even if, you know, there hadn't been no relocation, there would be other cities than just, you know, talking smack. Um, I think it does provide the opportunity now that, um, there's going to be a little more time and a little more reason to talk about the Austin side of this whole saga and this whole story. Um, and, you know, and hopefully there'll be some uh, there'll be some more awareness and some more investigative uh, looks you know, into just, you know, really the the issues and challenges with efforts that happened in Columbus through efforts and challenges that happened out here um, in Austin. Uh, we never we were never really worried about it. Again, it was always kind of like a small group of fans here and there. The, the couple of yellow towels uh, uh, or scarves, you know, being you know swung around in various places, which apparently triggered some people. The last time I was on the, the program, um, and you're always going to have some level of that. Uh, but you know, I think it's the the outcome is probably going to work out best for everyone. So um, you know, I'm sure that'll dial down some of it.
2: Do you think this starts a national rivalry between Columbus and Austin, or do you think people just don't care now that Columbus are staying? Because the last six months, kind of, you know, to, to go off what Armand said and what we've been discussing on the show is well, the last six months there's kind of been this hatred between, I guess, maybe a lot of MLS fans, particular Columbus Crew fans, against the Austin fans. And it could be more of a natural rivalry rather than what Jake's likes to call these forced rivalries that you see in the league.
4: Um, I certainly think there'll be a more organic element to it right because there's always going to be that well this could have played out a lot differently. Um, kind of aspect to it um, so in on hopeful tour because yeah you you know you, you see a lot more of these kind of created rivalries rather than organic ones, and I, I think certainly this one would fall into that um, category, I hope. Um, you know, I think it's a good thing for Columbus too, because, you know, now they're going to be all that scrutiny that was going to be shown to Austin around performance and seats, attendance and things like that for relocating a team is now going to be put on them. Um, You know, we're going to take advantage of our first shot at MLS. So they damn well better take really good take care of their second opportunity because it's not going to be a third. And now you've got, you know, these 12,000 pledge pledges of season tickets and, you know all the all the the huff and bluster of a, a you know uh, of a community you know and in in rightly in the passionate effort to to save a club now they're going to have to deliver on it.
1: Uh, Josh, uh, th- I saw this kind of roll through my Twitter feed a couple. I don't know if it was yesterday or, or two days ago. Uh, can you give us your thoughts on the Circuit of America's petition to have a public vote on the McAllister Place?
4: Yeah, yeah. So there's the. You know, Austin politics is like kind of a weird animal. It's not like corrupt politicians where you slide them, you know, envelopes full of money and you just get things taken care of. It's just like it's a weird political structure um, that's kind of evolved over the years. And you have like these pockets of NIMBYs, not in my backyard, you know, typically older uh, you know, older voters that are against really the change and the progress that Austin has. You know, we're like one of the fastest growing cities in the country. You know, we're on the top of every top of list, but you lived here for 40 years, you know, some of the some of that change hasn't been as uh, welcome. So there's a small group that is, um, you know, kind of against any kind of real progress in the city. And that's, they're kind of protesters for hire. Uh, and they had stopped the kind of a zoning development program to modernize the city a little while ago. Um, So apparently the the Circuit of America's um, uh, people behind that have, you know, basically bankrolled them uh, to create opposition. And initially it was this dark money, uh, but a bunch of our members had been digging into this for months. You know, we try We even sent it to the press of like, you know, you guys really should, or they have, you know, Senate, the press, we should, you know, you really look into this kind of thing. And I guess, you know, they just, they decided to go out and say, go public with it because it was already pretty well known and more people were starting to report on it. And it's, you know, it's just, it's under, it's unfortunate and it's shady um, because it's really, really um, denying them an opportunity to create, have the greater soccer fan base here in Austin support potentially USL and MLS and it's really now it's kind of just they've really set fire to that. Right. So,
3: Josh, w- what you're saying is kind of they're kind of just burning that bridge, you know, between y'all, especially. And, you know, because I know you guys all you guys talk about want to support uh, all uh, Austin awesome professional soccer, whether it be US or MLS. But I mean, you guys are obviously a little bit obviously for more MLS. Are you saying kind of they've kind of burned that bridge, you know, or starting to burn that bridge between the two sides?
4: It seems to be, that seems to be their their tactic and their, their position. Um, I will, you know, we had a, our team of, uh, actually we had a large uh, group of supporters go out and support the women's UT soccer match the other day in their big, the Red River rivalry uh, on the soccer pitch a few weeks ago. Um, you know, we're we're all involved in lots of different soccer organizations across town. Most of our members belong to an EPL or a Liga meki uh, SG in town. So we're we're very well integrated. And obviously, yes, our focus is on the MLS club. Um, and our ideal is we support all soccer Uh, Here in Austin, but when you have an organization that's actively trying to undermine that goal, um, it's very hard to um, have the soccer community then reciprocate that support back.
1: Uh, Josh, one one last question before we let you go. Um, I don't know about you, but to me, it seems like we might finally be at the the finish line in terms of this Columbus-Austin FC saga. You you might disagree. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. But to me, it kind of seems like we're, we're at that end now um I know you've mentioned that this has kind of been a five year process for you uh, trying to get a team to Austin. How does it feel to see that it's finally coming to fruition?
4: Um, I mean' it's, it's been exciting, obviously it's been tumultuous. <laughs> there's been a lot of twists and turns along this saga, but um, you know I think the, myself and our team uh, and our membership are, are very optimistic about the the future and what we're having You're You're absolutely right about our our fifth anniversary will actually be the day after the MLS final. Um, we've annually uh, thrown a watch party for the MLS uh, cup match, where we also do a charity drive for Toys for Tots since it's in December. Um, and we'll also be celebrating our fifth anniversary as an SG. Um, so there is a lot to celebrate, um, I think, to the question of being at the end of uh, this saga. I- I'm hopeful. Like, I th- I'm hopeful that something gets done in Columbus. I think the timing is really going to determine whether or not that roster comes here in place for a while or they continue uh, to play out in Columbus, even if maybe all the deals aren't, you know, the eyes aren't dotted and T's aren't across. And, and I think that would be great. I mean, that's still a win. Um, Austin is absolutely getting an MLS team, uh, whether it's we wait another year or two for it is is a, a, a I'm fine with that concession if another city is able to kind of hold on and keep their team. I just hope they they take uh, good care of it. Um, I'm, what I'm hoping that is everybody that was for Save the Crew should now be for Austin FC because um, absolutely their destiny is tied to Austin, Texas. Um, there is no way PSV is giving up their rights to an MLS club without having uh, uh, Austin 100% secured by both the league and the city. Um, there doesn't seem to be any drama here with the, the paperwork getting done. Um, I believe the deal's contract's done, but there's like a resting period before they can actually like close on it. Um, but you know, if if the people of Columbus are, want to be uh, uh, want an end to the PSV era, they should all be rooting and cheering for uh, MLS to finally announce Austin FC a, a officially, because that is that is the milestone that stands in front of them, uh, welcoming a new era of ownership uh, theoretically with the, the Edwards and Haslam group. Uh, and, you know, and hopefully another 20 some years of, of soccer within Columbus.
2: Well, Josh, just wanted to thank you, but I, I, I just had to throw this question out there out of the two Texas teams, who, which city does Austin hate, hate more Dallas or Houston?
4: San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually, I totally, I totally forgot those guys were down there during all this soccer. <laughs> like, um, um, you know, I don't know, um, Probably Frisco, just because it's it's even more of a pain to get to because you have to go through Dallas and yeah. get always get, get all the way to South Oklahoma uh, to get there. Um, you know, but you know that's that's no real. I think rivalry wise, you know, I I, I think obviously it'll always be interesting as you get more you know road visitors when we play Houston or Dallas. Um, but you know, I think as mentioned before, I think playing Columbus every year. Um, Cause I imagine we're, we'll be a Western conference team. So we'll only play each other probably once per season. Um, uh, I think Nashville's got a, an interesting thing, you know, a music Derby a little more constructed there, but I think, you know, we're a lot of like-minded folks. Um, I think going up to Portland, will be a lot of fun. Uh, and then coming down here. Um, yeah. I just like, you kind of look at the two other Texas teams and you know, if you're, if you're, we get this comparison a lot of people go, Oh, well, attendance is bad in Dallas and attendance isn't great in Houston and the ones downtown, but they are t- totally different markets as, as, as I'm on. And, um, you know, uh, can, can attest to Austin is a very different animal here in, in Texas. So we don't really don't think of it in terms of like, these, these are our sister cities. They just happen to be like other metros that have a team in, in, um, in Texas, so I think it remains to be seen which one kind of will reveal itself as our arch rival. Um, you know, the Dallas Beer Guardians. You know, uh, we you know, we have a lot of common uh, friends in some of their things, and um, uh, so you know we'll, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. But I don't, I don't, I don't think we have a clear vibe other than the, the drive to Dallas sucks, or the drive to South Oklahoma sucks more than going to Houston.
2: Oh, I understand. Driving in Texas is a pain. But uh, Josh, we appreciate it. <laughs> Let the listeners know where we can follow you on Twitter or if you wanted to plug anything else related to Austin, MLS, soccer-related.
4: Yeah, no, if you're interested in following along the continuing adventures of uh, Austin supporters as we march toward getting our, our first MLS club, um, you can check us out at austinanthem.org. And we are also on all the social networks at, at @AustinAnthem. Um, you know, pre, we've we've got people signing up from all over the country. We have a lot of interest. People are super excited about coming to Austin, Texas, and you know we we welcome we're welcoming all. We are building an inclusive supporters group. So, uh, no matter where you're from or you know what what your background is, or you're new to soccer, been following forever, um, you're welcome to be part of our organization and sign on up and follow us for more info.
2: Thanks again, Josh. Thanks, guys. Thanks again. Big shout out to Josh for joining us, uh, fellas. Uh, before we get to the counterattack here, quickly, regarding Austin and the crew, is is this a rivalry that it has a really weird dynamic? between the fan bases and could potentially be one of the better rivalries in MLS. And Jake, I'm going to give this to you because you're all about the fake rivalries.
1: Oh uh, yeah. This is the first authentic rivalry in MLS. I just want to come out and say that.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Because, because I hate rivalries so much in MLS because they're so forced and, um, I guess man-made if you will. Uh, this is the first one with the fan bases hate each other. I don't know if it, Hey, obviously because the crew put, could potentially move to Austin or were, were potentially moved to Austin uh we have to use potentially because nothing has been finalized yet uh but this is the most authentic rivalry in MLS maybe maybe Montreal Toronto is also a, a very uh, authentic rivalry too over especially.
2: Seattle Portland
1: yeah it's such a bs one it's like, it's like there's nothing about it it's just like it's 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 basically like saying uh it's basically like saying the Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears is a great rivalry. Like no one, like yeah.
3: No, I think Seattle Portland's actually legitimate. I am. A...
2: Well, I just want to make this clear now. Hate mail at Jake Quatroba. <laughs> yeah,
3: hate mail. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Go ahead,
1: send it to me. I don't care if you think that I don't think your rivalry is that great. Sorry. All right. I don't know, man. I've been watching these Copa 90 things uh, on Darby days, and it's like you look at like the fan bases, and then, that they hate each other, and it's just so passionate. And then I get, I look at MLS, and it's it's like New York's blue, New York's red. Yeah, no one shows up to our games. There's no passion. It's so lame. Or wow, you get, that hurt me. Yeah, I, think that I know. Rhymed. So, or 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 the Texas Derby, whatever. Like no one. Yeah, I'm sure Armand the. Uh, FC Dallas fan here uh, on the show really can't stand Houston Dynamo. Like, Not a oh, fan.
3: Oh man, I'm I a reporter.
1: I, I, if I see the color orange, it just drives me nuts. Like, come on, get out of here. There's nothing political about it. Uh, most of these rivalries in MLS, it's just some BS, fabricated thing that that you know we gotta hate. We have, to have these rivalries because they do it in every other sport. You know, Boston's gotta hate New York.
2: Okay, Boston genuinely hates New York. Screw the Yankees. All right, um, and uh, Armand Kafai is not a fan. He's an MLS fanboy, but he is not a fan, apparently. That's what I just of found what? out. What? You, you said you were not a fan, you're a reporter.
3: Yeah, fanboy is. Yeah, I'm a reporter. Fanboy See? is Jake's name for being a nerd. He's an MLS fanboy, is what he is. Oh, okay. That's so cool. Yeah, dude, who cares, man? Well, okay, we're we'll moving on. In Austin, Columbus, who cares? <laughs>
2: All right, cool. Anyway, uh, let, let's get to the counterattack with Jake Watroba. Fast paced, shifty movement, brilliant skill. It's the counterattack with Jake Watroba.
1: All right, boys, it's counterattack time here on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. We got three topics for discussion today. Uh, This is going to be a U.S. men's national team-centric counterattack with Jake Letrova. My favorite, you already know. Yeah, you're all about the hot takes. You're all about the hot takes, most notably from last week's episode. Uh, Let's dive right in. Let's dive right in. Let's start with uh, Kim McCauley. Uh, Kim reported on her Twitter account uh, on October 26th. That she has confirmed that there have been five managers not interviewed for the U.S. men's national team job. They are as follows. Peter Vermees, Oscar Pereja, Jesse Marsh, Tata uh, Martino, and Juan Carlos Osorio. Guys, we are now, what, a year into this managerial search? Year plus. Year plus, and... I know for Armand, there are a couple couple names on this list that he has earmarked as guys that deserving for this job. What do you make of uh, U.S. Soccer's? Uh, God, I don't even know what the hell you want to <laughs> you want to describe this uh, ineptitude here. Can I, I can US I play soccer.
2: can I play devil's advocate for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Would it be possible that none some of these coaches genuinely? don't want the position and told them to like don't even bother contacting I me mean, because u.s soccer is such a mess that they don't want to be part of it
1: no no because wasn't there the report that peter vermis was approached by them at one point uh oh. in the summer or spring oscar and they would said... take the
3: job in a heartbeat i'll just say that right now if if, if he really if they offered him the job he would take it in a heartbeat
2: armand knows something Why? you don't
3: wait okay keep going keep going armand
2: what, what
1: you,
3: it, expand it, expand on that then? I it's I mean, the, it's one of the things that he talks pr- uh, pridefully about. He just uh, when he talks about developing the youth and all stuff, I, I I feel like in my eyes that he sees that U.S. Miss job as something of hey, like I love the United States, I love the talent that it has, I believe this country can be better than what it is right now. I, I think it's the one job that he would take over FC Dallas' shop. Either that. Or the Columbia job, I think I think we take it in a heartbeat. It's it's not even a matter of, you know, if, if Oscar was in that consideration, it's not even a matter of if he would. It's if, if they said, Hey, we want you to take a job, he'd be like, Alright one. It he wouldn't like question it. Like that's how much he's dedicated to US soccer, that's the type of guy he is. Yeah. Oscar would definitely take the job. I I I think that's BS. I think it's this it's a garbage uh USSF. Uh, just being just incompetent and wanting to hire Greggy? Armand, you're going to you're have the, the black boys going over this one. Well, they, I mean, it's pretty obvious that he wants the job, no?
2: I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, I think it's,
3: I think it's I don't obvious that like he wants the job. I think it's I, the way he talks. Everyone wants him to be the coach of U.S. soccer. Um, and I feel like he'd be a good one, too. I mean, just my hot sports take. Oscar
2: would be a change, be different.
3: No, he would be a great coach because he's bilingual and knows how to cultivate talent. Well, yeah, exactly. Work, a change. He'd be, he'd be
2: different. He'd be different. He knows different. How to
3: work with less because it's FC Dallas team. They're not the most expensive team on a thing. Oh, they spent a little bit of money on this. They spend money on not the best players. He's worked with a limited budget. He's bilingual, like I, I said before. He knows how to work with the youth, like I said before. He's worked in MLS. He's worked in U.S. soccer. He's had success. Checks off all the boxes. I don't know what else. What do you want? So
1: well, let's keep let's keep this uh, U.S. soccer uh, bleep show rolling here because like, I got <laughs> I got I got another topic here that kind of highlights uh, again U.S. soccer's ineptitude in this whole situation here. Let's let's uh, let's another tweet here that highlights U.S. soccer's ineptitude. Our guy Alexi Lawless, early this week. Had uh, posted a clip from his show, in which he's discussing if you had the choice, would you hire Pep Guardiola or Greg Berhalter? And he also lists Peter Vermes, Bob Bradley, Jesse Marsh, Oscar Pereira, uh, as well. Uh, Lala's argument essentially is, we don't know how good of a manager Greg Berhalter is because he's because he's never had to manage the talent that a a manager like Pep Guardiola has uh, throughout his career. So naturally, Lawless posts this to Twitter and a discussion uh, ensues in which <laughs> it's, it's really quite funny. Uh, in which somebody calls out Alexi Lawless for essentially saying uh, this is David R. McKinney, uh tweets at Alexi. It's a philosophy and a culture which isn't easy to follow. The blueprint is there, but it's not easy to replicate. If an electrician gave me a detailed plans to wire a house. I'm very confident I'd bleep it up. Give Berhalter Barca. I'm sure he'd bleep it up. To which Alexi Lalas replied with, Are you an electrician? (laughs) To which... (laughs) But it gets better, you guys. To which your president of U.S. soccer, Carlos Cordero, retweets the tweet. No, wait, 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 wait.
2: For a moment there, I thought you said Donald Trump, and that would have been just as believable. Um, But... Wait, he retweeted, are you le- an electrician?
1: Yes, and then pulled it down immediately.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait, so? Uh, what? Let's... You it... know what, I give credit for Alexi Lawless. Like, he's highlighting the stupidity of U.S. soccer. Like, whether he or not, he, he means what but... he's doing, but he's clearly, he's just doing it. I don't know if it's intentional.
3: Well, he's, he's also way, kind of, a, he's also kind of way, a troll. Did you see uh, Alexi Lawless's laptop today?
2: Yes. <laughs>
3: yes. <laughs> well, for, for our listeners, he had a uh, MLS and Austin sticker next to a Save the Crew sticker. So, there you go. Self-aware. all well, brand. Let's
1: let's keep going here because I think we we've buried the lead. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos Cordero essentially gave away who's going to be the manager of um, uh, the tradition? U.S. Men's... Yes. <laughs> your local <laughs> electrician is going to uh, is, is going to be the manager of the Men's National Team. No, Greg Berhalter uh, sounds like it, it is going to be the, the the manager of the National Team. So, hey, give us your thoughts on Berhalter potentially taking over. I know we've talked about this several times, but give us your thoughts on that. And also, what the hell is Carlos Cordero doing?
2: Uh, Cordero is... I don't know. Quite frankly, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just throwing darts at a, a dartboard. He's basically doing what Donald Trump is. Sits on the toilet. Oh, that's a good retweet. I'll retweet that. Oh, I'm going to say this. Um, so that's what uh, Carlos Cordero is doing. Taking uh, a lot of example from the highest office in the United States. And then um, Mr. Greggy Burhalter, whose brother might be the... What position is Jay Burhalter running for?
1: he going to be taking over Dan Flynn's yes. position. Was it the chief, something? Or I don't know what the hell Dan Flynn is. Armand, do you know? Do you what's his official title?
3: Isn't he a CEO of US Soccer? Sure. let's go with it. I hate Dan Flynn. Sorry, Dan Flynn. I don't know you, but my US my US Soccer's really screwed up. Um, yeah, Greg Berhalter. I think we've been talking about it for like three months. He's given a coach or something like that, right? Why? Yeah, didn't they, I,
2: I, I... Why didn't they hire him at the beginning of the season?
3: I love that we waited a year to hire an MLS coach. I love it. Hook it to my veins. Uh, By the way,
2: Dan Flynn is chief executive and secretary general, who's gonna uh, plans on stepping down.
3: I love it. Just hook it up.
1: I don't know, guys. Imagine waiting a year
2: (laughs) for an MLS coach.
3: Yeah, imagine waiting for Greg Brohelter, who almost missed the playoffs today. Mm. this segment has
2: gone as great as u.s soccer is being runned (laughs) wow
3: all right well let's move on wow that's (laughs) terrible
1: i got i got one last one last topic for you it's not even really u.s men's national team related i'm just gonna kind of force it um (laughs) and see if i can uh, like i i I think i think i can tie this back into the national team no you can't yeah i can (laughs) watch me (laughs) Jossie Zardes scored his 19th goal today (laughs) for the Columbus Crew. Do you think he's our solution at right back?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, well, that wraps today's show. (laughs) Just
1: asking for a friend, most notably Bruce Arena.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ziggy Schmidt. Ziggy Schmidt.
1: Anyway, <laughs> listeners,
2: you can follow us <gasps> on Twitter, on SamSoccerPod, at ArmandKafai, at Retrova, at Steven Jodder. And we'll be back next week with a brilliant episode with another great guest. Shout-out to Josh for joining us, giving us the awesome perspective. Uh, give us nothing but five-star ratings because that's, quite frankly, all what we want from you. But uh, send us your thoughts on Twitter. We love the hate mail. So until next time, Bye. <laughs>
0: With Metro and the best deal in wireless, whatever your goal, however you hustle, you can rule your day. Get two lines with 5G access included for just $35 a month per line, period. With taxes and regulatory fees always included, so you know exactly how much you pay every month. All on America's largest 5G network at no extra charge. Requires auto pay. First month is $40 per line for two lines. Samsung A51 requires port from eligible carrier and ID validation limited to two per account. Coverage not available in some areas. See Metro by T-Mobile.com or store for details.